Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Good morning. My name is Francine Holbein, and I will be reading John 16, 19 through 24. Jesus knew they wanted to ask him, so he said, Are you trying to find out from each other what I meant when I said, Soon you won't see me, and soon after that you will see me. I assure you that you will cry and lament, and the world will be happy. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman gives birth, she has pain because her time has come. But when the child is born, she no longer remembers her distress because of her joy that a child has been born into the world. In the same way, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and you will be overjoyed. No one takes away your joy. In that day, you won't ask me anything. I assure you that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Up to now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy will be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Francine, thank you for reading the scripture today. We appreciate you doing that very much. Peter Conti was a real estate investor um, and also taught seminars on how to do real estate uh, investing, uh, had a book he wrote about it. He's uh, uh, married, a couple kids, healthy guy in his 50s, and he decided to buy some dirt bikes for him and his kids, you know, I mean motorcycles. He had raced motocross when he was a teenager and uh, didn't, wasn't interested in racing anymore, but thought it'd be a fun thing to do with his kids, so buys the dirt bikes. And um, so one day, they were riding on an 11-mile trail through the woods uh, and near his Maryland home. Well, even though his wife had warned him, it turned out there was, there was going to be a race that day. So uh, he jumped in. And he's going through the course and uh, clips a tree, which grabs, snags the bike, and he flips over the handlebars and uh, lands in a bad way. Now, he had been injured before. He, when, you, when you do motocross, I mean, you're going to have some kind of break along the way. He had broken a couple of bones when he was a teenager. He knew what that was like, but his time he knew this, this is different. Fortunately, someone came up to him very, very quickly, and they called for the medics who came and put him on a stretcher and had to carry him to a point where they could strap him onto the back of an ATV and drive him out of the forest, which was about a 20-minute ride, for an ambulance that was about another 20-minute drive to take him to a helicopter that was going to air flight him to a hospital, a Trauma 1 hospital. All told, after the surgery, he had 14 pins and four plates put into his hip to hold it together. His femur had also been put out of joint. And before the surgery, doctor said, we need to put that back in joint before we do the surgery. So, so they did. Unfortunately, when they did that, they crushed the major nerve that goes down into your leg. So when he was beginning to wake up from anesthesia after the surgery, 
he could just feel this pain that was just growing exponentially. And the weird thing was, it wasn't his hip, it was his lower leg and foot. And he couldn't imagine why. What happened? Why would that be hurting? It's my hip that was broken. Well, that was the nerve damage. So his pain just was astronomical. They were giving him uh, the highest doses of morphine they could give him, and it still was not giving him comfort. But you know, at a certain point, you've got to go to the rehab hospital, and you've got to do occupational therapy and physical therapy. And he went to do those things, and the pain did not stop. And by now, he's on opioids. After a year, he had been to 23 doctors just trying to figure out, what do I do about this pain? Nobody had an answer. One of those doctors told him, you shouldn't expect to get any better than you are now. You shouldn't expect to get any better than you are now. I wonder if we ever say that to ourselves. Something that does not go well in our life, something that is hurtful, something that is disappointing, that's maddening, crazy-making... In this series, we are uh, going to be reimagining our past. How do we reimagine our past? Now, that's not to dwell on the past. We're not going to dwell on the past. We can't do that. That doesn't, that doesn't get you anywhere. We're going to dwell on the past, but at the same time, the, the, the trajectory your life is on now has its roots in your past. So sometimes it's helpful to look back and say, what is it about that that kind of charted a course for me? And maybe maybe something can be different in my reaction to it now we don't like to look at those difficult circumstances but often that's the way toward healing and wholeness so there are certainly good things that happen in life too there are blessings there are wonderful things that happen and we are going to talk about that next week how that also figures into setting a course for us how the blessings and the good things in our life are part of god's purposes for us as well so we will we will talk about that But today we're going to talk about some of the, trying to deal with some of the pain that's in our memory. We might, when we think back to some of those very hurtful things in life, we might uh, just uh, affirm and nod our head at this verse from the book of Lamentations in the Old Testament. The memory of my suffering and homelessness is bitterness. I think sometimes when we, we would say that the memory of is bitterness. So it's difficult to move past these uh, things sometimes. It's, uh, it, and, and unfortunately what that does is when we, when we don't heal from it, it continues to damage us. It continues to hold on to us. It continues to not let us fully be the person God intends. It doesn't let us more fully reflect the goodness and glory of God. Now when, when difficult things happen, I mean when you know, really difficult things happen, I know at the time all you can do is cope the best you can, right? It's not like you have a lot of time. I mean, something happened, and you've got to cope the best way you can, whatever that is. In the midst of that pain, we sometimes don't cope in healthy ways, though. And especially if it happened early in life, we might not have had the internal resources or the experience to really know, how. what do I do here in this situation? And so, and so we have different reactions to those difficult situations. Sometimes we kind of respond with a sense of helplessness. 
Sometimes we even shame, when we look back, we even shame ourselves for our reaction in the moment. Or we try to distract ourselves so we don't have to think about it. Certainly, self medication can come into play. And the, and the difficulty is, is that whatever painful thing that might have happened way back in the past, we might, might be reacting to it the same way today. Reacting to the memory of it. So how might that be different? How might we reimagine that? Viktor Frankl was uh, a psychiatrist in Austria in uh, the mid-20th century and was captured by the Nazis. He was Jewish. Captured by the Nazis and uh, was uh, subjected to the medical experiments that they did um, during that time. He survived and afterwards wrote the book Man's Search for Meaning. Some of you have probably read that book. It's a classic, iconic book. He says this. He says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In the space, there is the power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and freedom. Now, that, that, all, that all sounds great, except sometimes those really difficult things we ex, we've experienced, those things we remember, in the moment we didn't really have much of a time because something happened and we had to cope right away. There wasn't much of a space. It felt like it was an instant thing and I had to respond or react in a certain way. Well, one of the things that we often do as soon as uh, a bad thing has happened is we, we, we lament, we cry out to God, how could this happen? Or, or maybe the more common, why did this happen? I don't know about you, I mean, I've wrestled with those kinds of things myself uh, over time. Um, but, and, and I know it'd be, in some ways you think well, it'd be great to know why. It's just that that's, that's elusive. It, 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 it's kind of like falling down the rabbit hole. I mean, it, there's never an end to it. You never really get to the why often. There's not an answer. So, what do you do? Where do you go? It's kind of where we find the disciples in today's scripture. That's where we find the disciples. Jesus is talking with them. It's at the end of a section in the Gospel of John known as the Farewell Discourse where all along Jesus is saying, I'm going to be leaving you. I'm going to be leaving you. It's where we know usually the verse, I'm going to be leaving you, but I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to it. I mean, I'm going to be leaving you. And so it's in that section that he's doing this, and he's saying, I'm leaving you. And, and they're, they're, they're acting like, you know, anybody else. They're like, wait, how could this happen? Why are you doing this? What does this mean? And Jesus even tells them, you're not going to really know yet. I mean, you're not going to know the truth for a while. You're not going to know it. And he tells them, you will cry and lament. But your sorrow will turn into joy. Can't fully, there's a difficult situation. You're not going to fully understand it. You will go through grief about it. But that joy, that, that difficulty and that sorrow will turn into joy. And then he gives the, the analogy of a woman giving birth. Now, in our day and time, we might say, 
I don't know, for a guy to give, <laughs> to tell that analogy, to tell that story, it's kind of like, does he really know what that, I mean, it's easy for him to say. And once the baby's born, oh, everything's forgotten. Well, we got to remember, how, how would Jesus' listeners hear this? How would they have heard this in the time? These were Jewish folks he was talking to, right? And you got to remember that in the Old Testament, the Jewish scripture, a frequent image that was used to mark the beginning of God's salvation was the image of a woman in distress of labor and delivery and the joy of the child that has come, that God is bringing about deliverance. So, so they would have heard that. They would have thought, this is about God's salvation. There will be difficulty, there will be distress, there will be anguish, there will be whatever the things it is, but joy will come. Salvation will come. That's what they would have heard. So, asking why doesn't get us anywhere. Jesus even kind of said, eh, it doesn't really help to ask why. Philip Yancey wrote the book, uh, among many, uh, where is God when it hurts? He suggests a different question. Instead of asking why, maybe we ask the question, to what end? Don't ask why, ask to what end? Now, let's be careful here. I don't mean that, that God somehow made something happen to you that was really horrible so that you'll learn a lesson. No. That's not, that's not how this works. It's not, it's not that God somehow is pulling strings somewhere and that person did that to you and, that, and, and all of a sudden it's, no. But when you, the, the event had happened, the difficulty happened, the pain happened. And what comes after? To what end? There was even a time some, some people brought a, a man to Jesus. You know, they were always challenging Jesus and they brought a man to Jesus who had been blind since birth. And here's their question. Who sinned, him or his parents, to cause his blindness? See, they believed that, I mean, that's, that, that we have to know a why. And, and the easy answer was, if you have something really, really wrong with you, you've got some sin in your life. That's why. And Jesus' response was, neither. Kind of like, <laughs> that's not even the right question. And he said, but it is to God's glory. And he healed him. So the brokenness turned into joy through healing to God's glory. To the end that God's glory and goodness is reflected. So how do we reimagine things in our past, painful things in our past, that doesn't take away the pain? It doesn't make us forget the incident or the situation or whatever it is. But what's next? We, we still have that stimulus and response and the space in between. What do we decide now at the memory of it? When we remember it, we've got the stimulus again. What will be our response? So... Uh, Peter Conti, 
uh, at about a year and a half after his uh, injury, he and his wife were having lunch with a, a gentleman that they had known, and this gentleman was in a wheelchair. This guy had been a ski instructor. And uh, he had had some weird freak accident on the bunny slope, no less, at, on the ski area, in the ski area. But the result of the injury was it left him paralyzed from the waist down. And so they were sitting there, and, and Peter Conti says he was, he was still in so much pain and on opioids that he, he, just, he couldn't even pay attention to the conversation. He was just sitting there just constantly like, I'm, I'm hurting so bad I can't do anything. But there's something in the conversation that, that got him to think. A seed was planted, and he began to think, what if... I mean, that guy's in a wheelchair, but he is now doing some things he wasn't doing before. Maybe if I think of something to move toward, maybe, it'll, maybe that'll get rid of the pain. Maybe that'll heal me if I do that. So he began to think about that. Three months later, he decided, I'm going to hike the Appalachian Trail. I'm going to hike the Appalachian Trail. In his words, he decided, if I were to hike 2,000 miles, then my foot and leg would have to be better. If I hike 2,000 miles, then my foot and leg would have to be better. The pain would stop. So he's going to hike the Appalachian Trail, 2,189 miles. Starts in Georgia, ends in Maine, or starts in Maine, ends in Georgia. Enormous elevation gain and loss throughout that. Matter of fact, uh, um, he actually did the math for it. 464,000 foot elevation change over the course of Appalachian Trail. It'd be like going to the, from sea level to Mount Everest and back 16 times. 2,189 miles. He's going to do this, and he began on the second anniversary of his injury. First day, he went three miles. First day, he got three miles. And it took him hours. Because all he could do at that point was to be able to like, take a step with his good leg and just let his left leg catch up. And that's how he was going to hike the Appalachian Trail. But he was determined because this is going to heal him. This is going to fix it. And so he's going to keep doing it. And he, and he goes and he goes and he gets where he can hike a few more miles and he adapts and figures out ways uh, to uh, do some therapy on his foot at night, trying to keep going. But he, when he gets, gets uh, somewhere past Greenville, Tennessee, he just realizes he, couldn't, he can't do it anymore. He can't do it. He's hurting too bad. He's just kind of lost the will. I mean, sometimes you get into something in life and you're like, I just can't do this anymore. I, I can't do it. And he, that's what he did. And so he contacted his wife and made arrangements to travel home. But when he went home, he, he did the smart thing. He began to eat better and uh, do more exercise and get more physical therapy and to do things that would help him. And he lost some weight so that a few months later he could go back to that point and start again. And he, and he did. And as he goes mile after mile through all the states, and he finally gets to Maine, finally crosses the state line to Maine. Now, it's, it's still several days hiking. I mean, the, the summit of the mountain he's going to climb, is, it's still several miles away. But he's in Maine. And he begins to reflect on the whole thing. He begins to reflect on his injury. 
reflect on the pain, reflect on his trip of the, of the trail, and the fact that his foot and leg still hurt. And somewhere along the way in Maine, he began to think, this is just a failure. It didn't work. I thought if I hiked the whole thing, it would take care of it. It would be done. But I still hurt. But at some point, he was able to reimagine that. At some point, he was able to say, wait a minute. I had a shattered hip. I've got 14 pins. I've got four plates. I have a crushed nerve, and I have pain in my foot and leg every step. That's that's why the name of the book is Only When I Step on It, right? I mean, it's just he has constant pain. And he hiked the Appalachian Trail. In spite of the difficulty, in spite of the pain, he did something. He moved beyond the pain. See, friends, God wants to do that with us too. Sometimes when we remember those difficult things, it doesn't, it doesn't take them away. It doesn't, we don't forget it. I don't know about you, but I, you think back to things and you go, yeah, boy, that, that still kind of stings. Now I have a new stimulus. When I remember it, I could react differently now. I could choose a different path. I could ask God for help. I could maybe, maybe help somebody else who's gone through the same thing. What do I look at beyond the hurt to see what God might have in store for me? See, God wants to heal us and free us from these painful things so that our lives reflect God's goodness and glory. So we've kind of opened up that box today to remember some of those painful things. We have the stimulus, and now we have the space in God's presence to respond in a way that reflects God's goodness and glory and shows that our sorrow has turned into joy. Let's pray. Oh God, like, like the disciples, Jesus' own followers, when things go in an unexpected way, in difficult ways, we just cry out, how could this happen? Why is it happening? God, the memories of some of our, the difficulties in life, uh, we try to bury them, we try to forget about them, but, but there are those that we, rem- we remember. Help us, God, in those memories to know that we don't have to be stuck there. We can seek your healing. We can seek your guidance. We can look beyond that pain to hopeful things, to helpful things, to things that will show our, our healing for others so that we can reflect your goodness and glory and that our sorrow has become joy. Pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.